Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of the Duel of Day podcast, where we had a great conversation about emotional eating with Renee Jones. Uh, Renee spent 40 years on the diet yo-yo before she got free of emotional eating, which helped her not only lose the pounds, but maintain her goal weight since 2012. She redirected her practice to coach others to do the same. Renee has a master's degree in marriage and family counseling and a clinical residency in pastoral care. Her TEDx talk on emotional eating has over 500,000 views and continues to grow. Her book was an Amazon bestseller and her clients span six continents. Antarctica is just a little hard to break into, (laughs) she jokes. Uh, We had a fantastic uh, time chatting with, with Renee on this one. Really, we're really excited about it. Um, she taught us a lot with regards to emotional eating, something that I think gets glossed over a little bit. You know, we focus so much on what exactly it is we're eating, what's the right diet, exercise, all that, but we don't think about the, uh, the mind games, the, the emotional influences, uh, that, that we have that are sometimes subconscious and sometimes, you know, things that we do realize we're doing and, uh, somehow we choose to do them anyway, even though they negatively impact us. Uh, she helped me specifically uh, during this episode tackle a few of the problems uh, that I was having in this area, and I'm extremely grateful for that. And you all get to witness that in action. There's a little bit of the guinea pig there, which I had absolutely no problem uh, doing at all. Uh, bear with us a little bit as there were a couple technical glitches uh, here and there, uh, as well as my whole entire computer basically imploding on itself for the first like 15 to 20 minutes of this. So uh, I am here, but uh, Nico and Renee will get us kicked off here. Hope you all enjoy the episode. Particularly for emotional eaters, you beat up on yourself, what are you going to need? You're going to need soothing. Where do you go to get your soothing? Food. Mm-hmm. You eat too much food. Then you, you beat up on yourself, so you need soothing. And it's just an endless cycle, and it doesn't help. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Duel the Day. I'm Nico, here with Renee and Tyler. And we have a special episode today where we're talking with Renee about her TED Talk that she did. We talk about overcoming cravings, emotional eatings, and she gives us a lot of amazing tidbits, a lot of amazing like phrases and things for you to hear that we think are going to give everyone help when it comes to dieting and just living a better lifestyle. And I think the first thing that we really need to get into is Seeing who Renee is, telling, having her tell you guys who she is, why she's here. And uh, with that, kick it off. Well, I spent 40 years on the diet yo-yo. I'd start on a diet, I'd do really well, and then I wouldn't. And this went on. I'm not kidding. For 40 years, I probably wow. lost a ton of weight. Um, but finally, I overcame my emotional eating, which allowed me to lose my weight and keep it off since 2012. 
And then I turned my counseling practice into a practice to help others overcome their emotional eating. So first and foremost, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and talk about your journey with dieting, the TED talk that we want to learn more about and how it's impacted your business, your clients, things like that. Um, Kind of selfishly, one of the things I wanted to know was what was the process of that TED talk like? Was it something that you just Hey, said, Hey, I want to talk to someone or did they reach out to you? What is, what is that like? Okay. So, uh, a year before that TEDx talk, my husband said, you might want to think about speaking. And I said, love, I'm never going to be a speaker. (laughs) And by gosh, by August, I had hired a speaking coach, um, and, started the process of creating a signature talk. And then he said, Hey, there is a TEDx talk nearby. You might want to apply. And I had applied for like 20 different ones, all in places that I'd never been before. Cause I thought it'd be kind of fun. And the people in Rhode Island were like, what's your connection to Rhode Island? I said, nothing. I've never been there before. I thought it'd be nice to visit. They said, that's not exactly how it works. Okay. (laughs) So I was accepted for the one in Wilmington, Delaware, which will take people from all over. They They don't have that close connection to the state. And we went from there. I mean, it's, it's seriously an application progress wow. uh, process. That's all it is. It's an application process. So did they, you send in the application and then did they talk to you again after that, or did they just immediately choose you? Is there kind of like a second round interview after that? Um, I have to think about that. Um, I think it is, is, was basically the application and then they, they came back to you whether or not, okay. I mean, if you, if you were accepted, you were accepted. Right. If you weren't, you weren't. And then they, they had, um, I don't know whether this is true over all of them, but we had to submit like three videos of us doing a talk. And okay. the first one, you can use your notes. The second one, you're supposed to try not to use your notes. And by the third one, you're supposed to be completely off script and they give you feedback all along the way. And even on the day of the dress rehearsal, they give you feedback and you're supposed to employ it the next day. Wow. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's gotta be super exhilarating, kind of scary at the same time. It was a cool process. It was scary. It really was because I, I, again, I'm, I'm not naturally a public speaker, um, but I knew this topic well, and I'm passionate about it. And um, I had a, a great coach who walked with me through it to say, hey, here's what we need to do. Do this, do this, do this. Don't do that. And just let me go. And it was a whole lot of fun after I said, thank you, which is the last thing you say at the end of the talk. Yeah. Right? It yeah. was a whole once, lot more fun then. Done, I bet. <laughs> well, I, I really, I'm happy that you went through that process, got the speaking coach and did that. Cause I imagine that you're, you've helped out tons and tons of people just by doing that. So I hope so. Thank you so much. So. And as far as how it's impacted my business, a mm-hmm. lot of my clients have come through that. Uh, they I mean, see- I'd imagine. Yeah. They see it, they, then they go check me out and then they, they'll call. So yeah, it's, it's been very helpful for Good. Me. Good for you. Yeah. I can, I mean, half a million, 600,000 views. It's gotta be helpful <laughs> for something. So that's amazing. 
Yeah. And where do they come from? I don't know. But it, it's like, wow, that just keeps rising. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. Wonderful. So we just talked about your experience with Ted and how you've been getting a lot of different clients through that experience. Now, is there is there something that you've noticed that's like a the one thing that's really impactful or two one to two things that have been impactful for all of your clients or is it because it's diet and food related is it different for for everyone? Well, it can be different for everyone, but I think just identifying what it is that is driving them to food is the big aha. Because most of us think, oh, it's just that I like the food or it's just what I do when I don't feel as well. But if we can kind of boil it down and figure out, okay, what's going on when you can't stop yourself, then you can begin to because once you you have it identified, you can begin to control it or to unwind it so that it doesn't bother you right. anymore. I love your phrase of facing your stuff, not stuffing your face. I think that is amazing. <laughs> Did you come up with that? Because you should like it, trademark that. Yeah, well, I don't know that uh, you have, that's a very intricate process, but yeah, that, that was, that was really helpful when that dropped in. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that is amazing. And you're totally right. Cause as a life coach, we all have anchors in life based on events uh, that had super high emotion. Maybe we had mm. someone die or some, some argument or whatever. And all of those moments influence how we treat others, how we eat food and things mm-hmm. like that. So to your point, figuring out that why, the reason why you're going to the fridge, the reason mm. why you're getting a, a second serving, I think that's extremely important for a lot of people. And, and figuring out like when that, that time is, because to your point, it, it is usually during heightened states of emotion. Is that what you see as well? Yeah. Stress is, is a, a big one, but loneliness, sadness, all of that is also significant. And a lot of that came out during the lockdowns. Right. Right. People suddenly had to deal with things that they hadn't had to deal with before. Right. I mean, people don't, now we work from home a lot, but prior to that, it was kind of unusual and mm-hmm. the kitchen is way too close. So you're already stressed because of the lockdown stuff and all the pandemic noise. Mm-hmm. And then something else happens. And it's like, I just can't take any more. Let me get some food. Yeah. <laughs> or and let be- me put something in my mouth. Yeah. And especially because going to the store was a little different than it used to be, right? Some people may think or may have thought, I already have food here. I don't want to go to the store. And instead of going to the store to buy that healthy thing, they would just eat whatever it is they had in the pantry because it's right there. They didn't have to see people and it's just an easy way out. So, and that whole change between, you know, quote unquote, normal life. And then the whole lockdown version of life. I think that was, that was hard for a lot of people too, because mm-hmm. we, uh, we wear whoop, uh, it's a fitness band and it kind of tracks your strain and things like that. The company is spectacular. Mm-hmm. One of the things they do is they sent out uh, a report of people that, uh, I think it was eight red, or no, eight fruits and vegetables and what that did for their health. And one of the things that that they saw was 
on the weekends, vegetable consumption was way lower than the rest of the week. And Mm. that to me means those people are getting out, seeing other people getting out of their home, changing their, their habits and not eating healthy. Mm. So that that's, I feel like that's part of it too. When you, when you take away that, that pattern of going out to see other people and things like that, your patterns change at home for some people. uh, I I tried to be healthy in the decisions that I make with food, but for some people, because they weren't able to go out and enjoy themselves on the weekends and have that normal life, they actually ate worse. So yes. And alcohol consumption increased markedly. (laughs) Yeah, that does. (laughs) I guess that kind of goes hand in hand with the whole mental aspect too. Yeah. That- I mean, I, I am as a mental health professional, I am overly concerned, maybe not even overly. I'm in, very concerned about the mental trauma to adults as well as children of these last couple of years. And we haven't begun to see it. What What's your, obviously like depression, suicide, things like that are kind of main concerns when we're talking about mental health. Obviously we can relate it to, to diet as well. What do you mm-hmm. see as the, the big thing that's coming up? And obviously no idea what's going to happen, but <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Um, anxiety in particular, um, going to those uh, go-to behaviors like drinking, like eating more than, than is actually good for us. Um, depression. Yeah. And just the constant stress of the trauma of you never know what's going to happen next. You know, we we got through the initial one and then came Delta and then came Omicron right. and then came something else. And there's another one on the horizon. And it's like, mm-hmm. mask or no mask? Do they help? Don't they help? You know, there's there's no there's no clear science. Yeah, the, the message to give us is tough. any relief in thinking that this is going to help us. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, whether you're highly intelligent or just trying to make it, it, the uncertainty is incredibly stressful. And being separated from family, you know, particularly elderly adults who are in nursing right. homes who didn't get to see their family and the families who didn't get to see them. I mean, it's it, there's just a lot of grief around that. Yeah, and when it when it comes to diet and food, how can we? How have you helped your clients understand that aspect that things are changing and there's a lot of stuff we can't control? Mm. And how have you helped them understand that aspect and also understand how they can change their diets to just have a more balanced life overall? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we have to recognize that from birth we are taught to soothe ourselves by putting something in our mouths. Mm. babies cry, we give them the bottle or a pacifier. You know, we, we put something in their mouths to calm them. It works. I mean, I had an auntie who used to put her, her little finger in the mouth if she didn't have anything else. So, and the baby would, would suck on it. And then as children get older, they, you take away the the pacifier and they go to sucking their thumb, putting something in their mouths. As we get older, we go to donuts, pizza, <laughs> and men. Interestingly, men. A lot of men go to ice cream. I would have thought that was the exact opposite. No, it, but for men, it's usually at night. 
Interesting. Like late in the day, nine or 10 o'clock at night, they want ice cream. So we have to recognize that we soothe ourselves by putting things in our mouths. But that's not the only way we can soothe ourselves. It's just easy and available, right? Right. So I, I help them identify other things you can do to soothe yourself. In fact, I have an acronym. I say overcoming emotional eating isn't hard. You just have to get the hang of it. And hang is the acronym. So H, am I actually hungry right now? And if you are, you may need to go get something to eat. But if you're not, then look at the A. What is the attraction to food in this moment? What's going on? That's excellent. And then N, what is it that I actually need? And the G is go. Go get that because that will soothe you more than food ever possibly could. That is an excellent process and acronym mm-hmm. as well. Thank that you. That is amazing. Another <laughs> thing that just dropped in one day. I thought, oh, that's good. Let's use that. Those are the those are the best when that usually yeah. happens. And that I'm glad that you you have that moment for them to take attention for like what are they doing and why are they being attracted to that? Because it gets people to look inward and be like, hold on a second, what's happening? Instead mm-hmm. of just perpetuating the cycle and continuing to do the same thing, you get them to pause. And mm-hmm. that when you do that enough it really changes their pattern over time. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the whole working from home thing, the kitchen is just too easy. It's just too close, right? The pantry Mm -hmm. is available. So one of the possibilities is recognizing that the kitchen is only open at mealtime. Yeah. The kitchen is not open all day long. Now, do you... Sorry, and, the, the one of the things that I was thinking of was the, the types of foods that are there. Is that something that you you touch on as well? Oh, of course, of course. I mean, it's it's important to have the food that works for your body. And we're all different. The these cookie cutter diets, they're a great place to start. Yeah. But if it doesn't work for your body, it's not going to help you. And I actually give my clients a metabolic test. And it's just a list of questions. Mm. I don't understand it. All I have to do is type it into the computer. It spits out the answers, right? But it tells you what are the best foods for your metabolic uh, type. So I actually lost my weight on a low-fat, low-calorie diet because that's all I knew at the time. Right. And two years later, I was struggling to maintain my weight. Um, I mean, I wasn't eating emotionally, but I was tired, hungry, and cranky a lot. God bless my poor dear husband. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought there's, there's got to be something better than this. This can't be all there is. So I actually found a metabolic test and took it. And it told me what to eat, what to stay away from. And I thought, this doesn't agree with anything that I've ever heard. But I thought it's only a week. You gave me a meal plan. I'll I'll try it for a week and see what happens. What kind of damage can I do? And I was not hungry that week, nor was I tired, nor was I cranky. Nice. And my husband was like, hey, I don't know what you're doing, but this is good. Keep doing it. <laughs> Keep doing this. And it changed my life because I was finally getting the food, the types of food that work for my body. And everyone is different. So you have to find what works for you. That's perfect. 
Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I ask is we just we just did an episode or in the series that we're in in the impacts of health, we did an episode on choosing the right diet. And more or less, we kind of say the exact same thing. Mm. It's not, yes, there are certain foods that are universally known as bad, right? We want to try and avoid those things. But when you get down to the specifics, every body, literal body is different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of that, we need everyone needs a little different diet. I'm definitely not going to eat the same thing as uh, what's the guy's name? Half Thor Bjorsen or whoever the world's strongest man is. He, he just dude weighed, uh, what was it? 430 pounds oh. like six months ago. And then he's cut like 130 pounds and now he's just super lean, but he's, he's all muscle, but dude is like wow. six, eight and the strongest guy in the world. So <laughs> I'm not eating like him. Well, I mean, Nico, if you think about it, we, we know our fingerprints are different. Yeah. Apparently, you can have a retina scan that is different to everyone else. Apparently, even our tongues are different. If we know that there are at least three things and probably more that are identifiably different, why would we think one type of diet would work for all of us? And that... That's to me where I get confused with all of the messaging from mass media, the government, all the, the food pyramids and stuff that's taught in schools. Like that's where it just gets weird. And so why isn't that taught more, right? Like just the aspect of everybody's different. Here's the mm -hmm. healthy stuff. Here's the stuff that we know is not so good. Go out and make good decisions. <laughs> like wh why isn't that taught more? I always ask myself. Well, that. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. Anytime you want to um, communicate something specific to a large group of people, you have to narrow it down to what works for a certain number of people. I mean, that food pyramid was created by a Senate select committee. Yeah. They took information that they got from various people including a couple of scientists who I think it was 2016 or 17 um, who actually admitted to lying. <laughs> they, had, they did a study uh, uh, for the Sugar Research Foundation um, and they said, well, they paid us $50,000 in like 1968 or 69 to point the finger of blame for diet at fat rather than sugar. But we knew sugar was the problem. Hey, that's so, wild. You know, and that was, that was part of the research that went into that the food pyramid and we just can't change it apparently. But if, if you're trying to, to uh, provide for a large group, you have to go to the lowest common denominator. Right. So vegetables are good, of course. Um, grains can be good. So those are the things at the bottom of the pyramid. Right. It will keep you alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently the government just wanted everyone to be alive and follow directions, I guess. So they, they made it well, super simple. Well, and it, it came out of um, a time in, I think it was Louisiana or Alabama, where uh, RFK, Robert Kennedy had been to visit the people 
and they were starving because they didn't have good nutrition. So they were trying to make sure that Americans would have good nutrition. Their, their desire was good, but it just didn't work out as well for all of us because some of us, like me, if I had Captain, my Captain Crunch cereal before I went to school in 45 minutes, I would be starving because my body goes through that really, really fast. So the food pyramid didn't actually help my body type. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. And I know that I had similar like cereals and snacks and stuff that I would go for as well. So all, good. Oh, they know, <laughs> they know how to make things delicious. If there's they one thing they know how to do, it's that. <laughs> yeah. But also just understanding like you said, why you're doing that when you're, you're reaching for those foods, what are you feeling? Why are you feeling that getting people to like, see that is extremely what is it, impactful. What is it you're looking for? Mm-hmm. Because if you can recognize what you're actually looking for, then you can go get that rather than the food. Now I would imagine that some people come to you and ask like, or they come to you and say, I've tried every single diet. Why is this different? Why is this approach different? Now, as a life coach, I, I know the answer, but what's the answer that, that you give them? I think it's different because we're not just looking at what foods work for your body. Yes, that's part of it. We're also looking at the stuff that's driving you to food. And if you can get a handle on that, you can follow whatever diet you want. And my third part is helping them connect or reconnect with their best self. Because if you live and make decisions from your best, I don't know about you, but I make a bunch better choices. Oh yeah. Because you have, you have something, a vision of yourself that you're building towards, that you're striving towards. Sometimes whenever we get into those bad eating habits and you talk to that person, you don't really feel like they have a sense of purpose or a future that they're striving for. And so getting someone to really clearly visualize who they want to be in the future, why they want to be that person and the type of positive impact they're going to give to other people around them. That's a much more motivating vision Mm -hmm. and future than just like, Oh, I don't know, but I like this ice cream and it's here right now. (laughs) So I'm going to grab it like that's, and it's a lot more um, sustainable long-term. Like if you, yeah. if you get them to realize that, so that's well, excellent. We, we just have this, I, I will say terribly bad habit of stuffing down our feelings and following it with a food chaser rather than feeling what's going on. I had this one client and she said, you know, I just don't want to feel this way. I said, okay. So why don't we just look at that? Just let the feeling be there and see what happens rather than fighting it or trying to run away from it, sit with it because feelings pass through in about 90 seconds, as long as we don't trap them. Right. You have to let them pass. You have to let them pass. And in fact, I love the illustration of the river. Mm. Our feelings are like a river and we can put our toes in it. We can swim in it. We can wade in it. We can skip rocks on it if we want to. As long as we don't trap it, 
Because when you trap water, put up a dam of some sort, if nothing is flowing in and nothing is flowing out, then the water goes stagnant and it loses all of its oxygen because it's not being stirred and it gets really yucky. So if we allow ourselves to, okay, let's open the dam and let this go. The water rejoins the rest of the river and it reoxygenates and it purifies and we're not stuck with the stinky, smelly water. (laughs) Right. That's a beautiful analogy. But if, if one of the things that she did was she said, okay, I'm just going to sit with this. And the longer she sat with it, the less obnoxious it became because she just let it be there. And she said, and then it went. I said, exactly. We are afraid of our feelings. But if we'll just let them do whatever it is they're going to do, but not trap them, they will pass on by. That's incredible. I bet you a lot of people like a big light bulb comes on after after you say like, oh, yeah, but that's that's the point. People, they run towards food instead of sitting there and trying to figure out why they're doing that. Obviously, like if you just, I don't know, played rec sports all day and we're running around the sun like. I need to eat something. You might be hungry, but if you're overweight, sitting on the couch, watching your third season of Game of Thrones, uh, then, you know, maybe it might not be the best time to eat. Check those emotions. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Is there, is there uh, something that happens like when, when people get that overwhelming craving, is there something that you tell them other than just to focus on whatever? Is there like, um, do you try and tell them to reach for something positive or do you give them a little bit more framework for how to handle that, that situation? Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about ways to handle cravings and one is to go find something else to do for 10 minutes and right. see if you still want it. Right. Yeah, That's that a hang acronym is great. Thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but if, if it's something that they just can't not have, I say, okay, then put it on a plate or in a bowl, sit down at your table, put down a placemat or tablecloth, all the silverware, pretty glass, maybe even flowers and sit down at the table and use the appropriate utensil to eat it. Do not eat it over the sink or the trash can. Do not worry if anyone comes in. Sit down and give that particular food the same honor that you're giving your craving. That is extremely powerful. (laughs) Yeah, that is awesome. I mean, here's the thing. If we eat it quickly, then we don't really taste it. My grandmother made terrific pies. Just, I mean, she made terrific everything, but particularly pies. And sometimes I would get through my piece of pie so quickly, I wanted another one so I could enjoy it. Right. But if I just enjoyed the first one, I mean, let it sit in your mouth for a moment, taste all the different flavors, squeeze every bit of flavor out of every bite, and in Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And you'll probably be satisfied with one. Oh, yeah. That, that makes sense. And at the risk of breaking my computer here while I speak, I don't know. Is it, are we okay? I think you're all right. We're all right right now. 
Um, that that is actually something that I need to try because I have two issues personally when it comes to uh, eating poorly or overeating at bad times. And the one is I will I'll eat good for the day, but then I stay up really late certain nights. And it's, you know, 10, 11, midnight, sometimes even one. And I get hungry again, like right before bed. And I do exactly what you're illustrating, Renee, is I'll just grab a bunch of stuff out of the fridge. You know, you'll start to cook something, but then you have to eat something while you're cooking it because uh, you're because you're Taste hungry, it, you know. And yeah. And so, yeah, just eating it over the sink, not sitting down with it like you're suggesting um, and just rummaging through all sorts of cabinets late at night. And that's that's probably either my biggest or my second biggest issue when it comes to uh, that topic there. So thanks for that insight. Don't let yourself get too hungry, Tyler. I know that. Well, I should just go to bed when I should. Well, yes, that's <laughs> that <might> it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, that, that's great. And then the other, the other one that uh, you guys had been talking about a little bit earlier. Um, it's not for me personally. I don't think it's so much that I have a, um, emotional connection with like, I'm feeling bad about something. So I fill it with food. I think my problem is like the other side, like I, cause I work outside all day on golf course, you know, usually manually intensive labor, you know, do other stuff. And if I have a stressful day or something, it'll be, you know what, I'm not going to take the time to cook what I want to eat tonight. I'm just going to, you know what, I'm going to get a six pack on the way home and I'm going to order a pizza or I'm going to get fast food on the way home because you know what, I deserve it today. I yes. earned that today. And that that's my other Achilles heel. And that'd be interesting. You know, if you have, I'm sure you do have clients that do that too, but that whole reward circuit thing, I think is a big problem. How is it a reward? It's, it's a reward because you like the, the taste or you feel like you're reducing your stress level when you, at least for me, mm -hmm. uh, doing that when in reality, you're not rewarding your body at all for the, the absolute garbage you're putting in it. So, so logically, you know, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but putting that into action, different story. <laughs> it takes practice. I mean, logic, the, the longest distance is between the head and the heart, right? Mm. Practice or find something that you like that is also uh, palatable and wonderful and easy mm -hmm. and choose that instead. Because how do you feel after you've had that six pack and a pizza? I feel really good for about two minutes and then absolutely <laughs> terrible for the next three days. So yeah. how was that a reward again? Remind me. Those two minutes are incredible. Let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> Best two minutes of the week. So yeah. I, I often talked to people about wraparound guilt. <clears throat> okay. You enjoy it for the moment. And then that guilt just wraps around and slaps you in the face. Yep. Yeah, That's it's not as much fun then. Yeah. Wow. Um, now, now that you put that into a phrase, I don't like it as much. <laughs> <laughs> now that I can identify it with a single word or two so words. Is there something else that you like that is healthy, that is almost accessible as accessible, 
that would do the trick for you? Or does it have to be food? I don't think it necessarily has to be, has to be food. And there's, there's plenty of other things. I mean, I, I really enjoy cooking and uh, my, my family does. So I like doing a lot of that stuff, but I think, I think honestly, you know, after talking about it for a minute, what could be one of the driving factors there is it's the subconsciously knowing that this is something that I shouldn't do is shouldn't eat or shouldn't, you know, drink is supposed to help offset the negative stress and energy that I'm receiving at work. So combating that with my own, um, you know, bad choice somehow meets it, you know, kind of in the middle there. And And how's that working for you? Well, I could tell you I'm pretty (laughs) overweight. (laughs) So it's not, um, Precisely. And that's, that's where we have to take those things apart and figure out, okay, this is what I've always done, but it's no longer working for me. Mm -hmm. So how do I replace that, whatever it is with something that is more helpful that still gives me, I mean, there are two negatives. Do not cancel out. I'm sorry. Really? (laughs) Do they? No, they don't. No, they don't. So find a way to, to make a more positive choice. You know, I have go-to meals that we use when time is short. Mm. They're just like three or four menus in my head. We've always got the stuff for them. It's like, this is going to be easy. I'm going to make taco salad. <laughs> so the, I, I actually want to chime in here because I know Tyler mentioned that we're, we're, you know, we enjoy cooking and our whole family cooks. I actually think that's an issue for me as well, because sometimes I will choose something simple because I enjoy cooking so much that if, I know if I start to cook something, I'm going to make it amazing. Like well, I'm going to season it and get some side dish and like just do it really well. And so if, you know, Tyler's trying to be healthy and make some good choices, maybe he doesn't have enough time to do that. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's, I don't know, I'm just, I'm commenting here based on how, because I know him really well, maybe he's thinking <laughs> like, I could cook and make an amazing meal, but it would take like an hour and a half. I don't have time to smoke this. There's this wonderful thing called a freezer. (laughs) Yeah, we we use those. I've I've heard heard of of them. Yeah, we always have, because when I I grill chicken, I always grill plenty. So I put, you know, separate pieces in the freezer for when I need them. And it just... It just makes it easier. And sometimes you just need easy. But if you have the the foods that are helpful for you, that are also easy, available, you're much more likely to use them. Uh, I think it's a great point. One of the things that, that I tried to do when I was managing my weight and getting down was to cook something that I could freeze half of it, but make mm-hmm. enough. So like that frozen batch is for like next week or for the next, after these first four days. And then this batch here is what I'm eating now that cut for me, that cut down the cooking time drastically. Cause now I'm only cooking once every week, week and a half, whatever that is. And the only thing I have to do is, I don't know, make rice or cook up something in like 20 minutes and I have everything I need. So for me, that was a great way to 
get the right nutrition that I needed, but also make the whole cooking process more efficient. So I wasn't spending hours in the kitchen. I could just get it in, get it done really quick and have everything I need. So yeah. that could be part that helps people too. like not only figure out the exact foods that they want, but also how are you going to prepare it? So it gives you more time to enjoy time with your family, enjoy time with your loved ones, do the hobbies that you want to get into. That's a big part of it for me as well. Because if not like, yeah, you can, you can still eat really well by going out to restaurants, spending tons of money, waiting in line while your food's being made and you end up wasting all of that time or you could still make something healthy, have it at home and put it in the freezer for later use. <laughs> there are these wonderful containers that are like, I don't know, triangular, uh, not triangular, uh, rectangular. Mm -hmm. You can easily put two meals in there. It's a simple solution. Fantastic. It really is. <laughs> helpful. Cutting out just a little there. I don't know. Okay, I got you. Okay, sorry. You're okay. That's just that's the internet for us. <laughs> well, I know too. Just to put another two cents on top of that is when you have all that stuff meal prepped out, and you know it's one of the things that that Nico and I have talked about a lot when you're trying to change a habit or change something is is changing your surroundings, and so having having those foods that are available for you that you want to eat or that you should eat, um, makes that decision a lot easier. You know, if I have, um, you know, chips in the cupboard, or if I have, um, a bottle of wine or, uh, or bourbon on the counter, like I'm going to see that every time I walk by and it's like, if I walk by it enough, I'm going to open it. You know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, um, but, but when I do have those things prepared out, like when I do like to, you know, Nico was saying with meal prepping and stuff, I, I always take those things for lunch, but if I don't have one, I'm not just going to throw some random stuff together out of the fridge. I'm going to go out to eat for lunch. And, you know, that's just having that, taking that extra time, you know, mm -hmm. changing your surroundings, I think is, is a, it's a huge part of, of sticking to what you want to do, uh, yeah. food wise. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's helpful. Um, particularly if you're in a family where people have different, uh, wants, needs, desires for food. Um, one oh, of the yeah. best things I ever did was put all of the food that I was okay with eating at my ad level in <laughs> like clear containers. That's and great. everything for my husband went above my eye level in opaque containers so I couldn't see it. That's it's not so temptation. It's not so That's tempting when you can't see it. Yes. That is a great suggestion for like day-to-day yeah. -day stuff. Here's my question for you. How do you okay. handle that during the holidays? Because I feel like the holidays <laughs> in particular, like you always want to spend time with people, eat what everyone made, but then like not always the healthiest of choices. <laughs> what what do you suggest during that time of the year? Well, I um I make foods that I can eat that are just as tasty as the old things I used to make that would, you know, contributed to my 40 years on that diet yo-yo. Um, so I learned to make things that work for my body. Um, and, you know, my dear sweet mother-in-law tried to send home a lot of stuff with us at Christmas this year. I was like, nope, 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 nope. We've had it here. We're fine. We're not taking it home with us. Thank you very much. Because if you think about it, it's a holiday, not a holiday month. 
right? So if you if you allow yourself whatever it is you want to have on the holiday, and then just leave it. Don't worry about it. Get it out of sight, out of mind afterwards. Then you don't indulge as much. And it, it comes down to what is it you actually want? Right. Do you want to give yourself a week between Christmas and New Year to just eat whatever as much as you want and feel very bad for the first week of January? You can do that. Or you can limit yourself or apportion whatever it is you want. One thing a day rather than 12. You know, make it work. You know, I, I tell my clients, you don't have to strictly adhere to a diet all the time, but just try to make allowances here and there. If you have cake at lunch, how can you make the rest of your day just a little lighter so that you can balance things out? Right. I think it's a great point to bring up because you, you touched on like how people get guilty or they feel guilty if they, you know, if they go into the holidays saying, I'm going to eat healthy, I'm going to do my best. And then they have that piece of cake. It just starts over this whole cycle. And people do need to realize that it's okay. Like the rock, he is a super fit, healthy guy. And I've seen this guy eat a pizza the size of my living room and, and wow. like 18 pancakes in one set. Like he eats, he has some cheat days. All people are going to have the, and to be honest, we need that type of variety. That's mm-hmm. one of the, the six human needs that Tony Robbins talks about. You can't pigeonhole yourself into one type of protein, one type of starch and one type of vegetable. Like you have to have some variety to make it interesting the type of variety is up to each individual person. Yeah. So that that whole guilt cycle and the holidays and eating stuff is just. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, I understand where we got it, but it doesn't help. It just kind right. of puts you back in the cycle. And, mm-hmm. you know, particularly for emotional eaters, you beat up on yourself. What are you going to need? You're going to need soothing. Where do you go to get your soothing? Food. You mm-hmm. eat too much food. Then you you beat up on yourself. So you need soothing. And it's just an endless cycle. And it doesn't help. No. If you but it, you're an adult. If you want to have a piece of cake, have a piece of cake. And it's the same type of mentality and notion that you mentioned before about just being in the moment and letting mm-hmm. that emotion pass. It's the same thing if you do find yourself making a decision where you ate that piece of cake or you overate and feel bad about it. That's okay. Let that, let that emotion go, let it be, let it have its place in the world and then go on and be the best version of yourself that you can. Don't let that feeling in the moment overwhelm you and cause you to eat all the stuff you didn't want to eat in the first place. Sometimes that's just a good excuse for doing that. <laughs> you didn't hear me say that, did you? No, no. It's, we're still having some audio issues. I, I yeah. didn't catch that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and one one cool thing to note there too that uh, that Paul Saladino talks about is in his in his book and his stuff. He says, you know, at any given time, you just want to solve for your the highest quality of life equation. So. You know, if you are wanting to go down a certain way of eating and you want to lose weight, you want to do all these things. Um, and then your anniversary comes around and you want to have some ice cream with with your wife out on your anniversary date. Are you going to let your goal of 
being more fit or being healthier inhibit you from enjoying this moment with your spouse Mm -hmm. at that given time, you know, that you were saying, Renee, like being in, being in the moment, like each Mm -hmm. moment's different. And I think we should always solve for our highest quality of life now, not to abuse that so much, but you Mm -hmm. know, (laughs) normally I think that our highest quality of life would be to follow through with our, um, healthier choices, healthy ways of eating. And so, but like you guys were talking about having those few instances, I mean, it's okay. If that's truly what's going to make you happy in that moment. Exactly. Go for it. Yeah. Yep. But do it, do it consciously and plan a way around it later. And the other thing that I want to throw into all of this is we always have to find someone we can connect with to keep us accountable, to help us through that process. Very few people can do all of this, this weight loss, dieting, all that stuff. Very few people can do that themselves. Mm. Normally you have to have someone that's going to help you be accountable, help you through any emotional swings, someone to slap the piece of cake out of your hand. If they're there with you, someone to just, I don't know, push you a little further that that's an important piece of that too. Using all those mental, um, mental, not gymnastics, but mental karate moves is what I'll call them. Uh, that, that Renee has provided. I mean, it's, it's a form of martial arts. The way that we think is a, is a way that we can attack problems, find solutions. So those acronyms and the way that you're, you're saying everything, I think is extremely impactful for people to hear. Mm. Well, I don't know about you guys. I feel like we've covered a lot. Hope so. Um, (laughs) I feel like this is a good place to end it. Um, And I thank you so much for your time. Uh, For everyone that joined in with us today, thank you. Get check out Renee's stuff. And Renee, uh, please take a moment and advertise yourself. Tell everyone how to find you, all that stuff. Let them know. You, you can find me at packyourownbag.com. And I'm on Facebook at, at Pack Your Own Bag as well as Instagram. Perfect. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining us here uh, on another special episode of Duel the Day. And as always, begin the duel, win the day. <laughs>